0: Um, My name is Jake Warren. For those of you who don't know me, I work here at the church. I talk infrequently. They trust me occasionally, kind of easing me in, make sure I don't offend anybody, you know, speak any heresy. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to be, I'm jumping in the middle of Aaron's series right now. He's talking about the kingdom of God, and I'm, there's, there's always a kind of a natural connection, you know, the way God teaches these things. And I really enjoyed last week's message. We learned about how the kingdom of God is not just something that you experience after you die, but it's actually something around you, something that's near to you. God's presence is near to you, and it's something that actually lives inside of you that he wants to be free to move in. He wants to, you know, get let out of the cage, I think somebody said but after the service. I really liked that analogy. Um, so you're going to hear us loop back on that this morning. And I thought it was so valuable. We just took some time last week. We just took some time last week to be silent, to be still, to just be like, God, if you're here, would you show me your presence? And, uh, you know, I, I really like that. Sometimes we have the heebie-jeebies about this idea that God could be around us, you know, that God's presence is near us. And I think, you know, I get it. I get why that can be unnerving. But it's such a, it's such a cool practice and something that I'm learning, too, that, that God's really loving. He's gentle. And, and when he's near to you, it's not scary. It's, it's actually just going to change your perspective on your day. He wants to lift burdens and help out. So we're going we're going to loop back on that to this morning. I'm going to leave this painting up behind me. I wish I could make it look a little bit bigger, look a little bit better. This is called The Return of the Prodigal Son by a guy named Brant. I can't say his name right. It's Russian. Rembrandt, Rembrandt. Somebody painted this and it's famous. And um I'm just going to leave that up there. If you, if you tune me out this morning, it, that's, that's totally okay. If you get zoned in on this painting, that's all right. There's something that... I'm, I'm, my talk this morning is inspired by this book by Henry Now and it's called The Return of the Prodigal, and it's about his experience seeing this painting. Seeing this painting sent him on a spiritual journey of understanding that God could actually look like that and the representation of that parable. So we're going to read from that this morning. It's in Luke chapter 15. It starts in verse 11. If you want to pull up pull that open in your Bibles or on your phone. I won't, I won't judge you if you have your phone out. I'll just assume it's a Bible. You know, God's watching. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You can text in services. I'm not gonna, we're not going to kick you out. So it's Luke chapter 15. And while you guys are just pulling that up, I just want to open in prayer. I just kind of love the way it changes our posture and kind of helps us just listen and kind of picture ourselves before him. So let's just open in prayer while you guys are pulling that open. Lord, I thank you that your kingdom is around us, that your presence is near us. I'm so aware of how needed that is in our society, and our culture today. We live in such a fast-paced world. And I don't know, you know, a lot of people here, I'm sure, are on the same page as me that stillness and peace in my head are just something I need. And I thank you that as we give pause to you, as we seek you and just allow your presence in, that you, there's a way in which you just give us peace. You know, your word says that you're the prince of peace. And my prayer this morning, God, is that you would come and that you'd teach us. But more than anything, I just pray that everybody here would have a moment with you, that they would receive from you, that they would receive that peace, that burdens would be lifted off of them, and that they would just know that you're there for them, that you're loved. Maybe they find you in that painting and the embrace of the Father. Maybe they find you in the words. But we just welcome you to speak to us. I thank you that you're eager to teach us, that we don't have to invite you like you weren't going to. You weren't sure about it. But you love meeting with your kids and you want to be here. So we welcome you to speak to us, to challenge us, even if it's difficult. But we just thank you for what you're going to do this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's go ahead and read. Um, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. I'm starting, I'm reading in the ESV translation. So a parable is a way that Jesus taught. He's telling symbolic stories to teach lessons. That's what a parable is. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, "'How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, "'Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son.' Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you've killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found." The prodigal son, the son that was younger and blew his property, you know, it wasn't a small thing that he did. When he's asking for his, his inheritance ahead of time, what he's really saying is that, like, hurry up and die already, Dad. I kind of just want the money that's coming to me. You know, it's a, it's a big offense. Um, and he goes and wastes it, and he hits rock bottom, and he has to, and he realizes, okay, even if I'm a servant in my dad's house, it's going to be a lot better than where I'm at. So he chooses to come back. And he's rehearsing this speech because he knows he's kind of messed up. He's committed a great sin. He took half his dad's property, said he did, like, basically said, I don't really care that much about you. I just want the money. So he's rehearsing this speech expecting to be punished for what he's done, right? And I think this painting is of that moment when he came back. And it says that the dad was, saw him when he was far off and ran and embraced him. I like to imagine that dad standing on the porch every day looking for his son to come home. It saw him when he was far off. You know, I don't know how long he was gone, but he had an entire inheritance to blow. He could have been gone for a long time. But that dad, for some reason, was looking and saw him far off and ran and embraced him. And he received him like this in this painting. The softness of the dad's eyes, just that expression that makes you feel like it's going to be okay. The hands that are on his back that are just so gentle and welcoming. You can feel the warmth. He puts a robe on him and gives him new shoes, and he doesn't make any mention of the money. He doesn't say, well, hang on, where's the money? Like, before we get back to business here, where's that inheritance that you kind of took? It never comes up. He's completely forgot. It, it doesn't matter to him anymore. All that he cares about is at his son's home. He doesn't just receive him back as a servant as maybe the son thought he deserved. But he says, my son was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. And he brings him back into the family. That's amazing. So that's why I said, if you only zone out on that painting this morning, that, I think that's all right. That's what happened to Henry Nowen. If you miss everything else I say this morning, I want you to know that that love is available to you. Sometimes we have a very different idea of what God is like. We feel like we've done something wrong. You know, like All of us have done that at least a little bit where we've done something that we knew was wrong but we kind of did it anyway and you kind of have to sheepishly come back. I want you to know that you'll be received like that dad in the painting. That's the message. That's why this parable is often so famous. It's really a story about his dad's love. It's not so much about the son and all his mess ups but you'll be received back like that. That's what it means to be a Christian. You have come back home and you've been given a new life by Jesus. You've received that embrace from the Father at one point. So if you're a Christian, you've, you've already received that and there's kind of a constant experience of that too. The love doesn't change. Um, if, you're, if you're curious about how to do that, you can talk to God yourself. You can approach him in your room. You can find him in the Bible. You can talk to a friend. You can talk to somebody here this morning. But that's really important. If you're here and you're new and you've never made that step, I want you to know that that's how God's going to receive you. You can make that step this morning. You can receive the embrace, even if you're expecting to receive punishment. The elder son had to make a decision, too. He had to make a decision to come home. He gets bitter, right? He feels like he's entitled to something different. It's not fair that his son gets all this stuff. He hasn't even gotten a goat, and his son gets the fattened calf. His brother, sorry. His brother gets the fattened calf after he goes and wastes all this stuff. And he's bitter and angry about it. But the father extends him compassion, too, doesn't he? As soon as he hears that the elder son is angry, he goes out and it says he entreats him. He goes out and entreats him. He talks to him. He doesn't just say, oh, let him pout. He'll get over it. He says, all that I have is yours. You're always with me. He says, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and he's alive. It's not wrong for me to celebrate. And, and, you know, if we really think about it, I think the elder brother would probably want to celebrate too, right? How is he missing that? How is he missing the fact that his brother is now home? His brother was in the gutter and is now home, right? But he's caught up in something. The elder brother has a decision to make too. And we don't hear in the parable what happens to him, but I think it's symbolic for us, right? There's all moments where we feel like the only way out, like we're, we're bitter about something. We feel like we've been, um, we've, it hasn't been fair, We've been, we've been entitled to something that we haven't gotten. And the decision that the elder brother has to make to come home is to, to really be humble and to just say, you know what, I'm missing something here. It's not that the elder brother has nothing. He says, all that I have is yours. He gave the first half of the inheritance to the, to the younger son, right? Now all he has left is the other half. All that the dad has is for the elder son. I'm pretty sure he could buy a fattened calf with whatever that inheritance was, right? He's, he's getting tunnel vision on something. And the way for the elder brother to come home is to humble himself and to say, you know what, I... I do want to participate in this. I want to celebrate that my, my brother's back. And my dad does love me. There's something he's missing, right? He's caught up. He's got tunnel vision. You may identify with one or the other. You may have hit rock bottom. Oh, where'd the painting go? Sorry. If that keeps happening, I'll try and remember to do that. Um, you may identify with one of the two brothers. Your life, by and large, may be characterized by making decisions that you kind of knew were wrong and you had to sort of turn from. Or you may feel like you've done everything right, by and large, and, and things have been a bit unfair in light of how good you've been. That's okay to feel that way. Like it's, there's, there's a change for you to come home, but one or the other we kind of identify by and large. But I think both of us, you'll see elements of both brothers in each of us, if you know what I'm saying. Both of us, all of us, have made decisions sometimes where we kind of knew it was wrong, but we just went for it, sort of the prodigal son's trajectory. And sometimes we get pride, and we feel like we've discerned something different, and we've gotten bitter. You know, each of us kind of have both. Every time I've read this parable, for the most part, every time I've heard it taught, that's kind of the message, and rightfully so. This is the Christian journey about making that choice to come home and to become a Christian, to be born again, to be brought back into your dad's household, back into your dad's family. Now you're a son and a child of God, son or a daughter. What happened in Henry Nowen's book that inspired this talk, I can't really do this because I got, hold on, see if I can do this. I'm going to read a quote. need a wireless microphone. Henry says that everybody's journey comes to actually identifying with the Father. And that was new to me. I've never, I've never saw myself in the Father in this parable. He says this, the Father was the place to return to, the goal of my journey, the final resting place. It was only gradually and often quite painfully that I came to realize that my spiritual journey would never be complete as long as the Father remained an outsider. Let me show you two. Let me show this to you scripturally. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So when you're a son, when, you're, when you come back in that home, both sons in this parable had to make a choice to come back. Whether it was to just be humble and to be thankful for what they would get, or whether it would be to leave the mess of the life that they've made by hitting rock bottom, they both make a choice to come home. But there's a journey that happens after that. As Christians, we've all come home, we've all become, and been adopted back into God's family as children. But scripture is telling us to be imitators of God as those beloved children. And Henry in his book is saying that my journey wasn't complete until I started to identify with the Father. You don't just always remain in this state as a dependent child, as somebody that's always needing forgiveness and just kind of failing and you're in this never-ending cycle and hoping you kind of just hit the hit the green when you you know you die and you go to heaven, you know, you just keep at What you do is you you change. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven in our current series, the kingdom of God. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus says, What else is the kingdom of God like? It's like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. So the kingdom of God inside of you is what gets birthed inside of you when you're born again. When these sons came back home, that kingdom of God started to permeate the yeast that they were. And it starts to grow and just spread through you until it changes all that you are. And when the yeast has permeated all the dough, I think you'd be an exact representation of who the father is in this picture. That's who we're all destined to become like. That's who the sons are going to be imitating is their dad to become like them. And that's all of us in this journey. We don't just, we're not just sinners trying to stop sinning. We're becoming more like Jesus. We're imitating our father. The reality is that another analogy that's used in the Bible to describe a Christian is that you're a part of God's hands and feet. You're a part of his body. Jesus says that the body is his church. So you're all a little brick that builds up the church as a people. The church isn't a building or a... Sunday morning time slot the church is a people and and each of us are a brick or a part of that a part of his body that makes up who he is so as he's reaching out to the world to carry out this mission the mission to let other people know that they're loved and that's actually who God is and they were created to be in God's family and they're going to be received with love he does that through us we're his hands and feet so we become more like the dad and we start to receive people with that kind of embrace All of a sudden, we're not just the people that have received that embrace. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that's a part of the journey. But all of a sudden, we're the dad that's giving that embrace to other people. I don't think I have to talk very long about, I don't think I have to convince you that the world needs love. There's a lot of people that aren't sure if there's hope right now. There's a lot of people that don't know that that's actually what God's like. The goal of the kingdom of heaven inside of you, permeating all the dough, is that we would become that embrace for other people. We would put on the character of Christ. We'd become more like him. If you think about what the dad is like, it's pretty radical. He gives away half of his inheritance to the first son, and he makes no mention of it when he comes home. Doesn't doesn't ask him, what about the money? He didn't count it as something to be grasped, if you know that Bible verse. The second son, he says, all that I have is yours. All of his inheritance, all the property, everything that the father has, he's just counted as something that's towards his kids. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be also. The dad is an example of somebody that had no stock, no treasure in what was here on earth. He counted it all as something for his kids. That's what it means when we're supposed to be imitators of God who loved us and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice, you start to count people as greater than yourself. You start to become that love and to put other people first. To count everything as just something that's going to help you toward love your kids, love the people that need it in this world. So how do you do that? How do you let the yeast of the kingdom of heaven permeate the dough? How does God do that? How does he grow you? I'm going to give you some practical examples but what I want you to know is that for Henry now, and he wrote a whole book on how God really spoke to him in a painting. That's why I've said that a few times this morning. Sometimes God can reveal himself to you in different ways. So It's not kind of a magic formula. There's a lot of ways that are common. But here's the, here's the greatest news I can tell you. I'm going to read a, a verse from verse John chapter 4, 1 John. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So the sons are brought home. They're back in a proper relationship with their dad. That's what Christian life is. It's not a religion. It's a relationship that you have with God. That's what you were created to have. He wants to be somebody that you talk to, somebody that's a friend, somebody that's a father to you, guiding to you. It's a relationship. So in a relationship, you love somebody. It's a mutual love, right? The Bible's telling us that we love because he first loved us. So this is the greatest thing that I can tell you this morning, is how do you grow in your relationship with God? How, does that, how, does, how do you put on more of the character of that dad in this world? You're going to love God more as you see the love that he has for you. When people say things like it's all about the cross, that's not just a Christian cliche. The cross is a, a, con, a constant attestment to your value and your love. That was Jesus' way of saying, I've done everything I possibly can to make a way back home for you. I died for you because I loved you so much. That's how valuable you are. As that continues to be revealed to you and more of, it just starts to mean more. The love that God has for you means more. You're going to love him back. There's a verse in the book of Romans that says that it's God's kindness that leads men to repentance. When you see that God is kind, that's what leads you to want to actually turn from your old way of living. When you see that God is loving, you start to love him more. So how do you grow as a disciple of Jesus, as an apprentice of Jesus? How do you become more like the Father? You start to see his love for you more. That's amazing. To become, Jesus said that he came to lead you into life and life in abundance. Abundant life, a whole life, a full life is where he wants to lead you. Unlocking that, walking in that, that relationship with God, that he's going to lead you into fullness, comes because he loves you. That's good news. It's not because of religious performance. You don't have to do the right thing. You receive the love of God, and he transforms you. So what? how do you do that? How do you see the more love of God? I want you to know that last week, when we started to talk about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God's presence being around us, I want you to know that God is near. That's really the truth, that God is eager to show you that he loves you. Don't worry about that. If you're thinking to yourself that I want to become that, I know the world needs more spiritual parents and not just depending on kids. If you feel convicted that that's what you're supposed to become, love for the world and you want to receive people with that embrace, don't fret. God is near to you and he wants to reveal his love to you that's going to cause you to love him more. As that relationship gets strengthened, you're going to be willing to trust him with more of your life. As you see that he's kind, it leads you to repentance. You're willing to surrender more of your life to him that you would just, it would permeate more of the dough. You'd become more like him. He is eager and close to do that. It's not hard, it's not distant. He died to make a way that was close to you. When we celebrate the resurrection, we're celebrating that Jesus is alive and that he's near to you. So that practice that we learned last week, that you can actually just sit and pause and and God would be near you and 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 you can... Just sit with him for a moment. Prayer doesn't need to be a speech or you don't have to have the right words. You can just be with God. Sometimes that's challenging. That's challenging for me sometimes. Sometimes silence is a difficult thing. It's, we're so busy, right? Our culture is so fast. Having moments of pause are sometimes difficult. But I want you to know that that's one way. That's maybe not commonly practiced, but it's one way that you can start to see God's love for you. He'll reveal it to you as you approach him and just be like, God, is this true? You just approach him in a posture. It's like, God, I want to see if you're here. I want to know if you're real. So if you guys are, if you guys are willing, I mean, we're going to do it anyway, even if you're not willing. I'm kind of the boss here. I'm kind of the boss. I got the microphone, right? Um, we're just going to take a pause. You know, you might feel like I'm wasting your time, and that's okay, but just open yourself up to the possibility. Let's just sit for 30 seconds, a minute, and just approach God. Whatever's on your heart, whatever's heavy, Just sit with him. Just approach God. Let's just sit in silence just for a brief period of time. God, we approach you together in this time and I pray that your perfect love would do as your word says and just cast out fear. That We would have a moment of knowing that it, that it can be all right. <laughs> that we're going to be all right. That we cast out the fear and we're not afraid to approach you. We see the love of the Father in that painting. We see you for who you really are. And in trusting you and seeing your kindness in seeing the love you have for us that we would trust more of ourselves to you. Thank you for the love that you're releasing in this room. Thank you that we can have a moment of pause and that there's something different about that. It's not just us in our heads, but we know that you're, you're near. Even if we're not sure about that or we're getting to know that for the first time, I just thank you for your closeness. That You long to change us and, and just give us pause. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Getting to know the love of God that you would love him more. The thing to change my life, I'm conscious of time here, but the thing to change my life was seeking God in the Bible. I I didn't approach it like a textbook, but I was looking for help. I realized I had never tried to learn about God in the Bible, but there was moments when I would read the scriptures that just made me feel better. I was having a hard time when I first started to really read the Bible, and it just just gave me peace. I don't know how else to describe it. I felt like there was somebody actually speaking to me, that same presence that we're trying to sort of approach in that posture as we sit in silence. I, I felt that same presence of God as I would read the Bible. He wants to show you who he is and to anchor you in his word. That's a great way to get to know the love that God has for you. Don't just make it something that you should do, but approach God with that same attitude, that same question. God, is there more that I'm missing here? Is there more of your love that's going to strengthen me and change me and help me to become all that you've meant me to be? Henry said it was often, let me actually get the quote, I think he said it's often gradually and painfully. I came to realize often quite painfully and only gradually, that my spiritual journey would never be complete as long as the Father remained an outsider. I like the phrase, um, God loves you just the way you are, but too much to leave you that way. I like that phrase. There's more... Too much to leave you that way. You know, eating vegetables kind of sucks sometimes, but it's healthy for you. Sometimes it tastes bad. I mean, you can make them taste good. You know, shout out to people that make them taste good. But... um, It's healthy. Sometimes going to the gym hurts, and it sucks, but it's healthy, right? It can be painful, uncomfortable. Don't lose your spiritual gym membership. The other thing I want to say to you, your spiritual gym membership, okay? Let God love you by challenging your comfort zones. Something that might be uncomfortable for you. Maybe that's getting involved with a small group. Maybe there's already something burning on your mind that you know is a bit uncomfortable that God wants you to do or to participate in. That's kind of a usual sign that it might be God if it's kind of burning on your mind like that. Let him challenge your comfort zones. Because like vegetables and like the gym, it's going to lead you to wholeness even though it kind of sucks a little bit. Or it might feel like that. Let God love you by challenging your comfort zones. Let me close with this. I'm just going to read this verse again. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Let me close us in prayer. I know we're doing a lot of that, but let me close us off in prayer. Thank you, God, for challenging our comfort zones, and that our identity is not found in always being independent children, but you long for a whole and full life for us. You said it yourself. You want to lead us to life and life in abundance. I thank you for the decisions that are being made internally in people right now, that they're willing to follow you a bit more, that they're willing to open themselves up to you to see if it's true, to open themselves up to seek your love, that their bond with you would be strengthened. And in that strengthening, that we would become better spiritual parents, better ambassadors for who you are, better people that are witnessing to the love that you have for others, that we would hug more people that, that that embrace that the prodigal son received from the father that we would embody that love in everything we do. Let us not let us see that zoom out that big picture. Your word says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field so when we see it properly for what it is it's it's something you want to sell everything for vegetables and going to the gym when we see it properly the 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 love that it is for our bodies and the health when we see those things we know we want them but sometimes in the moment it's hard to see sometimes it's easier to choose differently to choose the couch and to choose chips or whatever help us not to choose couch and chips spiritually god help us to make decisions that are having faith in the fact that you said that the kingdom is actually a treasure that it's actually a love of strengthening in us that that's going to change all this help us to have faith in your word even if we can't see it. I thank you for the men and women in this room that are making decisions inside of themselves to become those spiritual parents in this life. They want to become your hands and feet. We want to become your hands and feet, God. We don't want to be hope we don't want to have nothing to say when we see people that are hurting and need help. We don't want to store up treasures here on earth where we know that they're just going to go to waste. We know that the call is to store up treasures in heaven and to live our life as putting others first. Help us, show us the way to do that. And thank you that this desire, that your nearness is empowering us to do that, that your grace empowers us to do that. To put more stock, to put our treasure in heaven. To live our lives by faith in the Son of God. Thank you so much, Jesus. May nobody leave this room having doubt. May nobody leave this room having doubt that you're changing them, that this is possible. And let them see a little zoom out of the fruit that it will mean for themselves and for others as they choose to embody the fullness of what you have called us to be. Bless my brothers and sisters. Amen.